Hey, I'm Sam. And I'm Rachel. We're the creators of Plant School. Rachel's going to be teaching me, a plant novice, everything I need to know about plants, plant care, and gardening, all in a way that anyone can understand. Yeah, whether you have never touched a plant or you consider yourself an expert and you want to just learn more, this podcast is for you. And though it sounds simple, there's actually a lot to cover. So what are you waiting for? Join Join us in in Plant plant School. Hey everyone, welcome to episode 37 of Plant School. Today, we're going to be talking about dracaenas and how to take care of them. Rachel, can you describe to me and to us what a dracaena is? I sure can. So when I, I don't know, the first thing that comes to mind is that it kind of looks like a truffula tree off of the Lorax. Do you know what I'm talking about? Kind of. I been a long time since i watched the lorax <laughs> sj come on i it's... i i can picture a dr seuss <laughs> yeah well anyways some of you might not know what a truffle tree is either so i'll explain it better um they you know they vary in size shape and color but they all kind of have a central stalk or cane with these really large slender leaves branching out kind of looks um, similar to like a palm tree. Some are short and stubby and some can be uh, more tall, like a more like a palm tree, but they are from the asparagaceae family, like uh, the asparagus plant. And they're often called corn plant as their nickname or dragon tree. There are about 120 species of trees and succulent shrubs that come um, with the Dracaena genus. So it's, I don't know, it's simple upright appearance kind of makes it a really great uh, houseplant for those narrow spaces in your home. It's one of those tall houseplants that can do really well, like in a corner. Yeah. Okay. So is there... Any kind of history to a Dracaena? Of course, you know there is. So there was a lot um, to a Dracaena's history, like of different plants too. Like I feel like each type of um, or each species of Dracaena had a story to it. So I just chose the main ones kind of are giving you guys the Cliff Notes version. But the name Dracaena is derived from the Romanized form of ancient Greek dracana, which means female dragon. And so this all came about from the Draco variety or the Draco species, and its sap is red. And it kind of, uh, it coined the, the name dragon's blood plant or the dragon tree. So this goes way back, but there was a man named Pliny the Elder. And he believed that the dragon tree sprang up after this big fight um, (laughs) with an elephant and a dragon or a basilisk. And so the mingling of their blood between the elephant and the basilisk created the the dragon blood tree. And that's why its sap is red. So um, dragon's blood, the sap of uh, the Dracaena Draco, it's... It was used in classical to medieval period for magic, alchemy, medicine, as an astringent. Astringent just means that it um, tightens cells. So like 
your lotion could be an astringent, have astringent qualities. It kind of like tightens up your skin. So it's used today, um, or it was used in the 1800s as a varnish. Um, it was a really essential ingredient for um, Italian violins and varnishing those, which I thought was really cool. And then today it's used not as a varnish, but it is used in the paint industry and it's used also as a dye. It's used in glue, breath fresheners, even lipstick. Um, but yeah, so that that's just kind of diving into Dracaena Draco. The majority of Dracaenas, they are native to Africa, Southern Asia, and Northern Australia. I think there are one or two in tropical Central America, but mostly Africa and Southern Asia. Um, and then it's also the botanical symbol of, oh gosh, Tenerife. I'm pretty sure that is how you say it. Um, I'm kind of going off of the Ed Sheeran song. Do you know what I'm talking about? The tenor of C. Yeah, but I looked up how to um, pronounce it and it was Tenerife instead of huh. Tenerife. Well, he's, he's from the, across the pond. Yeah, so maybe they say, say it, it different. different. Yeah, but anyways, uh, Tenerife, it's an island of the Canary Islands. And there's a city in the Canary Islands called, it called De Los Vinos. I don't know if that's exactly right. De los vinos, yeah. Yeah. Something about wine. Yeah. Yeah. Vinos is grapes, right? Yeah. Um, anyways, that's a city in Tenerife, and it's home to one of the largest and oldest dragon trees. Um, the name of the tree is El Drago Milenaro. Milenaro? <laughs> Milenario. There we go. Yeah. El Drago Milenario. Yeah millennium or a thousand yeah 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 so it means a thousand year old dragon tree um and it's it's kind of a hyper hyperbole um it's thought to only be about 250 to 350 years old so no a quarter (laughs) of the way there um but anyways it became a popular house plant the dracaenas did um in the 1880s and more recently, it was named by NASA as a great air purifying plant. But we have kind of, in a very early episode of our podcast, debunked that myth that houseplants do not really purify air. Um, and if you want to know more about that and reasoning behind it, because it's a very popular myth that a lot of companies use to kind of help you want to buy plants um you can go listen to the episode and we dive into all the details of that gotcha all right so with this being a care guide um we'll go through a couple of different things that will help you know how to take care of a dracaena so starting off rachel how do you water dracaena how much water and how often yeah so Basically, dracaenas, they can kind of handle if you um, if you do forget about them. Try not to, but if you do, if, if you're more forgetful, this plant um, is a little more forgiving. So water when the soil is dry, you can, you know, put it in your sink, soak the soil, let the water run out of drainage holes. And um, yeah, it. I would say, at least for me, 
it takes about two weeks, one and a half weeks for the soil to get dry. Um, they don't require as much water as other tropical indoor plants. It's not something like, oh, if just the top is is dry, give it some water. You want, I don't know, maybe like the top three to four inches. You, It's fine having the soil dry. That's what I'm basically trying to say. Um, if you do notice drooping or yellowing leaves, that could indicate that you are overwatering or there's poor drainage. Um, your plant could be sitting in water and um, you could have root rot if you're noticing drooping or yellowing leaves. So just make sure the water has a place to go. It's not just sitting in it and you're not giving it too much. Um, and as a side note, um, on the bottom of your dracaena, like if those older leaves are turning yellow and falling off. That's normal. That's totally normal. They shed their leaves at the bottom. You can just pluck them off. It's fine. This is like if your, your um, newer leaves are starting to turn yellow, that could indicate a, a problem of too much water. Also, something I learned is that they can be very sensitive to fluoride. Fluoride can be found in tap water. So just it can make a difference to use purified water. Um, I'll be honest, I have never used anything but tap water for my Dracaenas that I have. I have two of them. I have a lemon lime and a marginata, and I have never noticed any sort of fluoride toxicity. I know our water here in the city has <laughs> fluoride in it. Yeah. It kind of tastes funny. Um, so, but it hasn't shown any difference, but if you if you think your plant might be suffering from that, definitely try purified water. Okay. So how do you know if your plant is suffering from the fluoride toxicity from the water? Yeah, that's, that's a really good question. So fluoride toxicity is shown with dark brown spots and yellowing edges. So if you start to notice that on your plant, um, it could be fluoride. It's kind of, fluoride is an accumulative a cumulative poison. So it takes time um, and it can start to inhibit photosynthesis and other plant processes. And that's why there are spots that start to turn brown and yellow. So it typically happens on the edges um, of the leaves or the tips of the leaves and moves inward. Um, this is especially common for Dracaena daramensis and Dracaena fragrans, also called the corn plant. So they're just particularly touchy. And like I said, I have a lemon lime Dracaena and Dracaena marginata. So those ones aren't known for being picky. So maybe that's why I haven't noticed that problem yet. Hmm. Um, so what should you consider when you're <laughs> placing them in your home? What were the best window locations away from the window? Yeah, so they prefer um, indirect sunlight. No direct sun for these guys, like most houseplants. If your Dracaena just doesn't seem to be doing very well, um, try moving it to a spot with more light. Not direct light, like I said, just indirect sunlight. Um, they do well if you keep them away from drafts, either hot or cold. They don't really love those. So just keep an eye on that. They do fine with humidity in your home, but will often benefit if you give them extra humidity. So that can be added 
via a pebble tray underneath or a commercial humidifier. Crispy leaf edges could indicate that your plant is not getting enough humidity. I know I struggle with that for my lemon lime, Dracaena. It often gets those crispy leaf edges and it is probably from not getting enough humidity. Okay. And so the next thing that we usually talk about is fertilizing your houseplants. What is, how would you go about fertilizing a Dracaena? How often, how much, what kind of fertilizer would you use? Yeah. So it's best done in spring or fall when they're kind of growing more quickly because of all the extra sunlight hours we're getting. Do not feed them in the winter. That's like their dormant season. It's not necessary. You can do it once a month. I know some people can even do it every other week. Um, I probably do mine once a month or every other month, and they're doing great. You can also, if you don't feel like using fertilizer, you can top dress it in the spring with new soil or compost as a way to kind of invigorate the soil and get nutrients to your plant. But if you choose to go just with your, you know, your normal fertilizer, I would suggest a 10-10-10 houseplant fertilizer. Um, and yeah, I, know, I, I say this all the time, but 10-10-10 refers to NPK values, which is nitrogen, potassium, Oh, sorry, sorry. Nitrogen, phosphorus, and then potassium. So that's just showing you what values are in the fertilizer of active ingredients. Okay. I feel like 10, 10, 10 is a common one for most of the houseplants. Yeah. That's kind of like the general one to go with. Yeah. So what type of soil do Dracaenas need? They are really easy with soil. So just well-draining, normal potting soil or like houseplant soil that you see at your uh, hardware stores or nurseries will work just fine. Okay. Um, can you propagate a Dracaena? Yeah, you can. So kind of interesting, um, but you can do it by seed. Not very common, but germination for these seeds will happen when they reach about 86 degrees Fahrenheit. So pretty warm. And then some species can be propagated by leaf bud cutting. So it's just a cutting that has a leaf and has some buds. Like it's pretty, pretty explanatory in that name. Um, it is best with any cutting from a Dracaena to use rooting powder. It can really help them and to have higher humidity. Um, and then this is the one that I thought was interesting. There are actually quite a few Dracaenas that can be propagated from cane stem cuttings. So it's in the name. You just cut off the cane and you, it can be anywhere from like one to six feet sections that you're cutting off. And if you guys have ever bought a Dracaena fragrance or a corn plant, you'll often notice there's wax on the top of the cane. And that was done by the grower. When they cut that stem off, they put wax on the top and on the bottom, they put the rooting powder and stuck it in soil. <clears throat> and um, that's, you know, how they propagate them for sale. So that's why they have wax on them, if you've ever wondered that. But if you have one that's getting really tall, you can do this yourself. You can prune it 
And from that spot that you prune it, it will sprout new foliage just below the cut in a few weeks. And the part that you cut off can now be propagated back into soil. Once you put rooting powder on it and, you know, be sure to give it some humidity. And not just the corn plant, the fragrance can be do, can do this. Dracaena marginatas can also be um, propagated this way with the cane stem cuttings. Um, there might be a few other ones, but those are like the big popular Dracaenas that you can do this with. And then also you can micro propagate Dracaenas, but that's something I feel like that none of us will really do in our own homes. It simply is just taking stem tissue and putting it in like a Petri dish to make a a tissue culture and you can grow up from there. But (laughs) yeah, like I said, I don't know if any of us will be doing that. I probably won't. (laughs) No, me neither. Um, So what pests are Dracaenas prone to? So generally they don't suffer from too many, which is great. Um, Sometimes they can get mealybugs, spider mites, or scale. Those, all three of them can be treated with neem oil. You can remove them um, with like a a cloth or a rag or your hand if you're brave. I don't know. (laughs) I personally wouldn't want to do that. But yeah, you can remove them just by hand or you can get neem oil or some other insecticide to get rid of them. Okay. Well, that's about everything that we usually go through. Are there any extra care tips that you have for Dracaenas? I know you've got two of them, right? Yeah, yeah, I have just a few. So, just like as a note, the Dracaenas are toxic to cats, dogs, small children that can induce vomiting, excess saliva, lack of appetite. So, definitely, this is something if you have a cat or dog or a child that is known to kind of be curious and nibble at plants, keep this up and away from them. Um, yeah, you don't want to deal with vomiting from animals or your child. So another care tip, it's best to wipe these plants down every once in a while. I feel like mine just like suck up all the dust in the room. I don't know what it is, but they can get so dusty. I think it's just the way their leaves are. So be sure to wipe them down because they do attract dust. Um, And I mentioned this earlier, but just be sure to remove those old leaves that are dying at the bottom. They don't need to hang around and you can just take them off and toss them in the trash. All right. Well, thank you again, Rachel, for all your great tips once again. And thank you all for listening to Plant School each and every week, as we know all of you are (laughs) that listen to this podcast. So we'll see you all next week hopefully we're taking a trip next week so we're gonna try and do a podcast next week to be determined if we will be able to do that while we're traveling yeah we'll see anyways catch you next week maybe thanks for listening be sure to follow our podcast on anchor spotify or pocket cast also you can follow us at tinny plants on Instagram, Pinterest, or YouTube. Once again, that's Tenny Plants, T-E-N-N-E-Y Plants. If you have any questions or suggestions for future podcast episodes, 
email us at tennyplants at gmail.com. Or if you're on YouTube, go ahead and comment below and don't forget to like and subscribe. See you next time.